This is Photo Biz X, episode number 519, and today we are talking personal brand photography and how today's special guest has built her business from the ground up utilizing LinkedIn, and now she's branched out into utilizing storytelling along with LinkedIn to grow that photography business. I'm talking about Anne Thomas from the UK, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you grow a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And I know you're going to love this week's interview with Anne Thomas, which is coming up in just a minute. Before we get into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Mike Glatzer, it was a special episode specifically for newer photographers with smaller businesses that just aren't ready to invest in a fully blown CRM. Mike has or had designed a spreadsheet to help you track all your numbers in your small photography business. So again, it was a very specific interview and very specific episode for a certain niche of photographer. It certainly wasn't for everyone. But if that's you, if you are new to photography business, if you aren't ready for a subscription-based CRM, make sure you get back and have a listen to that one with Mike Glatzer because his solution might be a perfect fit for you and your business. Now, why am I going into so much detail specifically about that interview with Mike? It's because I received an email from a premium member, a long-time premium member, And I have to say, it's one of those emails that I feel absolutely terrible to receive. It was like a a gut punch. There was an insinuation there that I'd sold out, that the interviews that I was doing were purely to promote other products and services. And basically, he misses the old photo biz X. And we had a bit of back and forth. And I've got to say, it was very, very difficult to, to read his email when I first received it. It kept me up at night. And I'm sure you've had the same experience when you've received an email from a client who just isn't happy and uh, you just wonder where you've gone wrong. You know, what, what could you have done differently? And uh, like I said, we've, we've gone backwards and forwards a couple of times and look, and I, and I can see a lot of merit in what he had to say and the way he was feeling. And I had to look at myself and the way I'm putting the interviews together how I'm sourcing the interview guests, who I'm inviting onto the show, the questions that I'm asking. And if indeed, if every interview guest does have a product or service to sell, because that is the last thing I want to do. And I I reiterated to him that my number one focus remains the same from the day I started the podcast. And that is to help listeners build a more successful and better photography business than going it alone. And I had to take a good hard look at the recent interviews. And yes, there have been quite a few where the podcast interview guest has had an additional service or coaching or a product they've created that they wanted to talk about at the end of the interview. I would like to think that my interview skills are at a place where I was able to or I'm still able to generate enough implementable and fantastic content for you to utilize in your own business in addition to whatever they might have to sell or promote at the end of the interview. I would hate 
to discount certain interview guests based on the fact that they're or that they are a coach, that they do have a product, that they do have a service that they want to talk about uh, at the end of the interview. I, I don't think that should be one of the factors that rules them out to to coming on the show altogether. I mean, we I wouldn't have interviews with with incredible guests like John Glazer, Ali Stewart Ross. Joel Dunn, Mark Rosetto, Bernie Griffiths. I mean, the list goes on. There are too many to mention here. I think each of those guests, every guest, has shared so much. And I certainly don't curb my questions or go softly or easily on them knowing that they do or might have something that they want to promote at the end of the episode. In saying all that, look, I I am totally aware of that and I do my best and will continue to do my best to look for photographers that are purely making a living from photography because I know they are fantastic guests to hear from. Now, I also believe that COVID played a big part in photographers expanding what they do, trying to bring in additional sources of income, and they're excited about that. They want to talk about that. They want to promote that if they have a chance to, whether that's on the PhotoBizX podcast or, or to whoever it is that they're talking to. So I can understand that. I can see that. They, they want to diversify their income sources. And that's something that's been pushed on all of us, particularly through COVID. So with all that being said, I value your feedback. So if you want to hear a particular guest on the show, if there's a photographer you would love to hear interviewed, please let me know. Just shoot me an email, send me a message on Messenger, I'm happy to hear your suggestions, and if you have feedback, if you feel like I'm straying too far from where I should be with the podcast, if you're not getting the value you think that you should be from the podcast, I'm happy to receive those emails. Now, they might be hurtful in the beginning and be upsetting for me to read or or hear, but I can take it, and I'm happy to have an open discussion with you on the topic, on your thoughts, and I will shape the podcast to make sure it's as good as it can be for you, the listener. That's, that's my number one goal. Now, the other thing I will add to all that, there is no way that every interview can be specifically for you. That's just impossible. So if I, if I interview a pet photographer, I know that there's a good chance you're a wedding or a portrait photographer. So I'm going to try and get as much value from that pet photographer guest as I can to help you in your business whether or not you're a wedding a portrait or a pet photographer but there are some interviews that just will not be a good fit for you and last week's was a perfect example with Mike Latzer as fantastic as I think his Excel spreadsheet is for a particular newer photographer I know it's not going to be a great fit for you if you've been in business for a long time you're using Studio Ninja or Light Blue or Tave, or whatever solution you're using and you love it, I know that's not going to be a good fit for you. And I try and make that as clear as possible up front at the beginning of the episode so you don't waste an hour listening to that interview if it's not a good fit for you. Now, of course, there are a bunch of occasions when I've said, look, today's interview guest is, well, let's say take today's example with Ann Thomas, who's a personal brand photographer, and she has shaped her business around storytelling. Now, I think that can be perfectly applicable to you, whether or not you're a commercial, a personal branding, a headshot, a wedding or a portrait photographer. I know you're going to be able to pick up things from Anne and implement those into your business. So I will let you know that at the beginning of the podcast episode. But if it's not going to be for you, I'll also try and make that clear as well, because I know 
not every episode will be for you and you you know life's too short it's like it's like reading a book i was talking about this with one of my buddies yesterday simon he he told me that life's too short now to to push on and try and finish a book that he's not enjoying and i feel the same it's the same with the podcast if an episode isn't a good fit for you skip it that week go and listen to another podcast work on your business spend time with your family or just enjoy the silence you do not have to listen to every single episode but i will do everything i can to make sure that you're per month or $120 or $200 per year membership more than pays for itself with the implementable ideas that you get from the interviews that you do listen to and get ideas from. Now, it wasn't all bad in regards to emails last week because I did receive a fantastic email or two, and one of them was from Kandra Shank. She's an Ontario-based pet photographer, and she says, I really enjoy your podcast brand. It really is inclusive, diverse, and informative. I like knowing more about you and your passions. It humanizes you and lets us connect with you. Plus, we've learned through your podcast that putting a little bit of us into our brands is absolutely amazing and builds connection. Please keep the emails coming as I and others enjoy reading them. Happy cycling. Kind regards, Kandra. So, yeah, look, that was fantastic to receive, and I did receive a few emails like that one in addition to the one that was a little bit more upsetting. But, look, again, I'm happy to get those emails if it's going to help direct the podcast and move it into the direction you feel it should be going because it is there for you. All righty, let's move on to the next segment. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Oh, if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Anne. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. Now, the good news is you can access the full interview for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. And there are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a UK-based branding photographer who believes most people can't tell the difference between a good photo and a really good photo. And this allowed her to create a website based on her story and selling emotionally to her target clients. Now, interestingly, she lived in Kuwait as a local for 12 years after meeting her Arab husband in university at the age of 19. And she says this time opened her mind in ways that have put her in good stead to run a successful business today. On her website, she says she's all about sharing her client's story with their ideal customers to make real connections with them through imagery. She also says, before your clients will part with their hard-earned cash, they need to know in their heart that you're worthy of it. Because after all, there are dozens more photographers that do what you do. So what's so special about you? I'm looking forward to learning so much more so we can all better attract and connect with our ideal clients more easily. I'm talking about Anne Thomas, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Anne, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Me too, me too. I guess, look, first up, how did living in Kuwait position you, you know, to effectively run a business today, do you feel? Well, so I met my husband when I was in art college and I was very young, very naive. And you know how it is, you fall in love 
and you just kind of go where your heart takes you. And we were going to make a life in Kuwait because that's where his family were living at the time. So I arrived in Kuwait just early 20s. And I can remember walking down the flight of stairs from the aircraft. And if you've ever been to the Middle East, you'll know what I'm talking about next. It's like somebody had just shoved a hairdryer straight in my face and had put the heat setting up to maximum. And I remember walking down the steps of the aircraft thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Because Kuwait back in the late 70s was very different from the Kuwait it is today. So I lived there for 12 years and I saw things, heard things, experienced things that that. I often think people must think I'm exaggerating when I relate some of the stories about Kuwait. But living in that culture, and I wasn't living as an expat, so I didn't have the luxury of just all those things that expats have, you know, the airline ticket, the luxury apartment, the big fat salary, and all of that. I was literally living as a local. I worked in the local um in Kuwait English school there at the time, I was teaching art, but I really was living right in the thick of the culture with my husband's family. My mother-in-law didn't speak English. I mean, why would she? So, you know, when your back is really up against the wall and you're thinking, wow, I've got to do something here to kind of I don't know. It's either sink or swim. I think when you're in that situation, it's either sink or swim. And I always end up swimming. I always find a way when I'm in that situation of finding a way out of it. So I just had my eyes opened big time, big time, those 12 years in Kuwait. And that is what put me in good stead, really, for running a business, because I think one of the reasons is, I just think if I can do that 12 years in Kuwait, and, you know, we're we're talking about culture, language. um, I mean, I was was also there when Saddam Hussein invaded, so we kind of got through that as well. And I just think if I can do this, do you know what? I I can do anything. I can do absolutely anything and it just put me in good stead for nice. running a business what's an example of something that you saw or experienced that you know that you feel people think that you're exaggerating when you tell them well it's things like i remember when i first so when i first arrived so try to imagine now i was a very naive 19 year old art student and i went out there for a visit so this is kuwait in the late 70s And my husband's family had arranged for his mum to come and meet me. Now, this was a big thing, okay, because my husband is the eldest son. And if you know anything about Arab culture, you know the value that's put on the eldest son. And he has has arrived in Kuwait 
with an English girl. And I was about to meet my future mother-in-law. I was petrified. And she arrived. She sat down in the lounge area. And I walked in. And there was lots of chatter and conversation and giggles and laughter in Arabic. I didn't have a clue what was being said. But she beckoned me over. So I walked towards her. I was so nervous. I walked towards her and she literally looked me up and down. Then she got her hands and placed them on my hips. And she had a real good squeeze, a real good feel of my hips. And I stood there thinking, oh, I, what's going on here? I really, I really have not a clue what's happening here. She had a real good feel of my hips and then said something or other in Arabic, which created lots of giggles. And then I kind of walked away and I said to my husband at the time, what was that? And she said, it's okay. She has confirmed you have got good childbearing <laughs> hips. And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> right. That means I'm in then. That means I'm accepted. Well, uh, I mean, can you imagine doing yeah. that to one of your children's partners if they came over to be introduced? Do you know what? Yeah. Can you imagine doing that? To, oh, yeah. I kind of laugh about it now because... You know, it can only happen in the Middle East, surely. That can only happen within that culture because, you know, bearing children and especially since I am the wife of the eldest son, you know, it's it's quite wow. a position to hold. Wow. So, so tell me about the branding photography business. Did you start out as a branding photographer or did you, you know, transition from weddings and portraits or commercial photography? How did you get to where you are now? Right. So I was a primary teacher. So I trained to be a primary teacher. So although I did um, graphic design with photography in art college, I then went out to Kuwait. I taught art in Kuwait English school for a number of years, came back home, desperately needed a job. So I trained to be a primary teacher. So I was I was teaching until about seven, eight years ago. And at the time, I was living in Wales, and I moved to Essex. So I resigned from, you know, what was a very sort of sensible job that kind of drip-fed this lovely salary into my bank account each month. I resigned from that, moved to Essex, and this was when I was going to set up my business. So I do remember when I moved in into this new house, It was about three days in. I was sat on the sofa and I just remember thinking, oh boy, how do I do this? How do I do this business thing? How do I, how do I set up a business? How do I get clients? Because nobody knew me. I'd moved from Wales to Essex. Nobody knew me. And I think a lot of photographers setting out ask the same question, you know, which is, I know how to take a decent photo, but how do I actually sell it? So what I started doing was I attached myself to, so we have, um, we have something over here called NCT, 
Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. National. Oh, well, I can't remember now what NCT stands for, but what it is, it's a national group. Think of it like a toddler group. So it's where mums on a weekly basis take their babies and toddlers to, for example, a church hall, a community hall, where the kids can all meet and the mums can meet other mums and socialise. So it's a national organisation. Is it a national childbirth trust? Is that what it is? Right. Yes. Do you know what? Yes. I was going to say, I think it is National Childbirth Trust. Um, They organised all sorts of things. But what I did was I started to attach myself to the local NCT groups. And I did what I call seasonal shoots. So, for example, I would set up like a Christmas backdrop and do a mini Christmas shoot. I would do the same at Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day. And I would have various themed mini photo shoots throughout the year. And then I'd go, I'd work my way around each one of them and do my shots there. That's what I started off doing. I then, alongside that, I got into weddings, babies, newborns, families. I mean, if I'm honest, anything that moved, (laughs) I would photograph. Because, you know, in those early days, you're just like, oh, boy, I need some money coming into this business. Otherwise, it's just a hobby, isn't it? You know, so I just set out to photograph anything and everything. So I did some newborn training. I did newborn photography. I think being a primary teacher put me in good stead for the families and the kids anyway, because I've got the patience of a saint. So I will happily run around the forest with a couple of kids and get shots of them. But I just photographed anything, absolutely anything. So, and tell me, beginning. why did you resign from the teaching job? Like, why not be stay a teacher and just keep photographing for fun? <laughs> and that is what I was doing. So the photography was always happening in the background. The thing with the teaching job is it got to the point where the teaching job funded the photography. So you know when you need that new lens, you want to upgrade your camera, the teaching job enabled me to do that. And it started out as, you know, people would say to me, oh, we're getting married next year, can you photograph our wedding? So I would do jobs like that. And then that progressed into people were then happy to pay me to do these jobs. And I just I just thought, oh, boy, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it just be amazing if I could ditch the day job, the teaching and do the photography full time? And that was the goal I had in my mind. But that's quite a big thing to do. For me, that was going to be a huge step. But I had it in my mind. And then I started to put things in place to try and enable that to happen. Because at the time, so I was living in in South Wales, 
I was now divorced from my husband. So I was the only income bringer into the home. So I had to make sure if I was going to give up this, this teaching job, you know, which paid reasonably well, I've got to be prepared for kind of, you know, there's going to be a time when there's no income coming in. How old were you when you resigned from the teaching job? Oh, gosh. Uh, 58. pretty big change later in your life. I know. I know. I know. And do you know what? When I did that, when I resigned, so I kept this all under wraps for so long because it was such a big step because at that time, so I was living in South Wales and my three children were living in Essex, quite close to London. So I was spending every school holiday up and down the motorway, back and forth to see my kids. So I knew that when I did this, I was going to resign. I was going to sell my house. I was going to move to Essex, you know, big decisions. So I kept it all under wraps for so long because I just wanted to be sure that this was the right thing to do, you know, especially as with teaching, I was actually two years off receiving my teacher's pension, but the seed, I had planted the seed in my mind and I just didn't want to wait that two years. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, okay, so understand then you photographed kids, you did mini sessions, you did families, you were getting paid, so things were, you know, moving along nicely. How did you get from there to branding? So, during this time that I was photographing anything and everything, for which... I genuinely enjoyed each genre that I was photographing. You know, I wasn't one of these photographers that kind of rocked up with maybe a little bit of resentment thinking, oh, God, another wedding. You know, I genuinely enjoyed the weddings and the newborns and the kids. But a lot of experienced photographers were saying to me, you need to niche and you need to niche because you're doing everything. You're jack of all trades. You need to niche. And I was the photographer who would go, no, I don't need to niche. Why would I niche? Why would I turn down a wedding? Why would I turn down a newborn shoot? And I genuinely enjoyed doing all of them. Nope, not going to niche. So I was hearing this, this kind of repeated message from photographers telling me to niche. I resisted it for years. And then I did a five-day brand photography challenge. And I actually, I actually quite enjoyed that because for me, I found with brand photography, it kind of covers a few niches, you know? So you've got a little bit of event photography in there. You've got portrait photography in there, uh, both indoor and outdoor photography, And I did the five-day challenge, and then I got two or three brand photography shoots booked in with small businesses, and I did those. I just thought, oh, wow, I think I may have just found my niche because I just loved it. I loved the variety that brand photography gives you and also the creativity as well. And each each business is so so different and i know that sounds like i'm kind of stating the obvious there but 
the business is different and the business owners are so different. They're coming at it from different angles as well. So that is how I ended up niching. And it kind of took a little while, you know, because there's the transition, Mm -hmm. isn't there? You're now going to niche to brand photography, but you've still got the transition to do. So I probably spent, I don't know, maybe six months to a year transitioning over to So how long have you been full-time brand photography? So the brand photography full-time was just before COVID, so, so not that long ago. 2020. Got it. So in the yeah. UK, do you feel or do you know, are your clients actually searching out for a brand or branding photographer or are they searching commercial photography? Are they searching for headshot photography, business portraits? What are they actually looking for to find you? So to find me, they are searching brand or branding photographer because they want so more they know than the headshots. Term. It's a known term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either brand or branding photographer. Okay, so yeah. knowing that, how do you find or how do your clients find you? Like, which way is it actually going? Are you finding clients? Are you actively going out and getting clients or are they just coming to you because you have the name and the reputation now? Uh, most of the time they are coming to me and they're coming to me mainly via LinkedIn and networking and then there's word of mouth as well. And it's taken a while to get to that stage because that doesn't happen overnight, as you know, but that is how most of my business comes in now, which is great. I'm delighted. So good. Okay, that. so I know that you are familiar with and you actually know quite well Jeff Brown, who was a, an acquaintance of both ours. And listeners know him very well. He's presented courses and, and talked a lot about LinkedIn in, in multiple interviews I've done with him. What are you doing with LinkedIn to attract your clients? Because it sounds like you're attracting them. Am I right? Are you attracting them or are you seeking them out and making a connection? Uh, No, I'm attracting them actually, which is a great position to be in. That's what's happening That sounds amazing. How? How are you doing that? Well, so you mentioned Jeff Brown. So let's talk a little bit about Jeff Brown. So COVID hit, okay, 2019. I signed up with Jeff at the beginning of lockdown here in the UK. So we had lockdown in March 2019. I probably signed up with Jeff a couple of months later. And I remember one of the things Jeff saying to me, He spoke about my website. We were on a call and Jeff says to me, your website needs sorting out, Anne. There is a module on the website, but you need to look at it. And he gave me a whole list of reasons why it needed sorting out. And one of them, which I have to say shocked me, one of them was uh, he said, You need to go into your website. You need to remove weddings, remove the newborns, remove all the CrossFit, remove your events. You need to remove your families. And whilst he was listing off all these different genres, I was genuinely, I was genuinely shocked. And I said, why? Why, Jeff? Why why have I got to remove all that from my website? And he said, because, Anne, 
when somebody is looking for a branding photographer, if they have to scroll past, I mean, this is so obvious, isn't it? If they have to scroll past the weddings, the newborns, the events, the CrossFit and the families and everything else before they get to the branding photography part, what message is that giving them? And I thought, oh, I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. So one of the big things I did, and, you know, this for me is where lockdown was a big, big help, to be honest, because it gave me time. I completely revamped my website. I wiped everything off there. And I only had branding photography on there. Now, I also moved over to a new platform. I moved over from SmugMug to Squarespace. So I was also learning how to navigate Squarespace. And I started creating the new website. And I just thought, do you know what? I'm putting all this blood, sweat and tears into my new website. I'm going to take on a copywriter as well. And I had always been the business owner at network meetings, that when the copywriter stood up to deliver his or her 60 seconds, I was always the business owner who would sit there and think, I just don't understand why people need a copywriter because I can write a decent sentence. I mean, I know how to write a decent paragraph, you know, that is grammatically correct and all the rest of it. But Again, that was another one of those things that as I was building this new website, I just thought, wow, so much work is going into this. Let's get a copywriter on board, which is what I did. So the initial steps were the website, just making it totally brand photography, nothing else. And then taking on a copywriter who will just write all the copy for me in the wonderful way that they so do. Good. So good. So you're all in on on uh, branding photography, but how does this tie into LinkedIn? I, mean, I know Jeff is the expert, so how did you start or how do you attract clients through LinkedIn? So at the same time, I upped my game on LinkedIn. So up until this point, I was the photographer who was all over Facebook I was in every group I could get myself into shouting about what I did. So basically, my message was, here I am. I'm a photographer. This is what I do. For example, wedding photography or newborn photography. This is what I do. This is how much it costs. Oh, and by the way, look at this amazing photo. Don't that happy couple just look so stunning? And that was basically... I mean, it was a little bit more refined than that, but kind of that was the core of my message. And my inbox would be filled with inquiries, but really the people sitting in my inbox didn't want me. They wanted discount. And that is what they wanted. So that was kind of me free if you like, signing up with Jeff and learning everything that I learned from Jeff. And you've mentioned Jeff uh, with LinkedIn. 
that was when I upped my game on LinkedIn as well, because I always thought LinkedIn was this kind of scary platform full of corporates, full of the big boys. And really, you only ever went on LinkedIn to upload your CV and look for a job. Well, I was so wrong about LinkedIn. So I upped my game on LinkedIn and I started posting on a regular basis. I'd start out twice a week, three times a week, four times a week, and then five times a week. So I was posting regularly Monday to Friday. And I got to learn how the platform works how to push the LinkedIn buttons to make sure that, you know, the algorithm was working in my favor. And it soon became the platform that really that's where my visibility was. So I ditched all those Facebook groups and just focused on LinkedIn. Are you posting the same kind of thing that you're posting into the Facebook groups on LinkedIn? (laughs) Absolutely not. So I then discovered this thing called storytelling. Now, that was another eye-opener for me. Now, we all know what storytelling is, okay? But how do we use storytelling to benefit our business? This was the kind of bit of a mystery thing to me when I first discovered this thing called storytelling to be used in businesses. And... There's a guy in the States called Donald Miller. He's got brand story. So I started stalking him. I signed up to his webinars, to his podcast. I bought his books. And I was well and truly hooked on this storytelling thing. Um, I loved his approach to it. Now, I guess I would say this because I'm from England There are parts of it that are a bit too American for me, but then us Brits would say that, you know. So what I did, I totally took on board Donald Miller's storytelling strategy and started to implement it in my social media posts. And what happened from there on in was really two things. Number one, I then started to enjoy writing my marketing social media posts more because I kind of felt I wasn't selling anymore. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And secondly, I started to get random messages in my LinkedIn inbox from people that I didn't know just saying to me, "Um, I love that post where you talked about this, that and the other. Please keep them coming because I always look out for your posts. And, you know, when you you get something like that, it's like, oh, that's really nice. And it just encourages you to keep going. So, yeah, I just kind of took on board the whole storytelling thing and applied it to my social media posts. Now, I didn't get it right from the beginning. And it is something that the more you do, the better you become. I also during lockdown, did a story writing workshop. So that helped me with things like how to write a good headline, cutting out the waffle, and, you know, keeping it to the point. So that helped me with that as well. And I guess with the 
combining the two, the storytelling plus the writing workshop I did, I mean, without a doubt, it just helped my marketing massively. Let me try and nail you down on some specifics here because I know that the listeners looking to get some ideas to grow their own businesses and emulate you and follow in your footsteps. So can you tell me about the last client you don't have to name them, but you can if you like, that came in via LinkedIn. Just tell me a little bit about them and the shoot, just briefly. Okay, so what I've noticed on LinkedIn is, and I I often do a post about this, is that we all have what I call the lurkers. So these are the people who sit quietly in the background and they're watching you. They're just keeping an eye on you. And they never interact. They never comment on your post or anything like that. And then when the time is right, they will drop you a message in your inbox. Okay. And what they're doing all this time that they're lurking in the background, they're just sussing you out to see whether you are a good fit for them or not. So... I had one of these, and of course, you don't know the lurkers are there until they pop up in your inbox. And I had a message in my inbox from a lady wanting a brand shoot. She made the inquiry and we got on a Zoom call together. And that's when I discovered that she had been kind of hovering in the background for a little while, just observing my posts, just working out whether we were a so what sort of business does not. she have so she right. has a law so firm. tell me about the inquiry that comes in from her um are you happy to share her first yeah. name yeah mandy. her okay. name is so mandy you can inquiry via linkedin is it a is it a like a message on linkedin or does she send you an email no okay. she so sent how, me a how, message give me an idea of what that message is that you know hey ann i've been following your post for quite a while can i talk to you about branding photography Yes. So first of all, she dropped me a message. It was a while before the second message, just saying, I love your posts, Sam. I love your posts. Keep them coming. So I had that message initially. And then sometime later, she dropped me a message saying, would love to have a call. I need some photos. Can we get on a call? So that's when we set up the Zoom call. And I realized that she was the same person who had sent me that message. And that came out on the Zoom call. Yeah. And then we got on the Zoom call. On your website, I've seen that you have different packages or options with pricing. It's all very clearly laid out there. How are you guiding Mandy into the right product or service, for want of a better word, for her? Or does she already know when she gets on that call with you what she wants? No, I find 99% of the time clients don't really know what they want. So they know they need photos which need uh, to go on their website, to upset the, update their website. They also need that they, they know, know that they can use these photos for their marketing. And that, that is the bare minimum that they tell me on the call. So what I tend to do is... Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest.
if someone has poor images or imagery on their website or on LinkedIn, will you tell them and let them know that you can help? <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> that's something a British person wouldn't do. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's, maybe it's just me, but maybe it's a British thing. I just think how rude. <laughs> okay, okay. That's too too forward. Got it. Okay. There's one more thing I do want to finish off and ask you in regards to the time you spend on LinkedIn. But uh, before that, like, where's the best place for the listener to connect and, and see more from you, Anne? Well, first and foremost, LinkedIn. So... Anne Thomas Photography on LinkedIn, for sure. Um, I do have a Facebook page, which I almost forgot to mention, but I do have a, a Facebook group, sorry, a Facebook group called The Hero's Story. And it's a free Facebook group full of business owners who want to learn about storytelling and LinkedIn. So that is a good place to be if you want to get better at storytelling and you want to get better at using LinkedIn as well. And then of course my website and Thomas photography. Fantastic. I'll add links to all of those in the show notes for the audio that we'll be sharing with listeners when this goes live. And tell me, tell me about LinkedIn, how much time and be honest here, how much time do you dedicate to LinkedIn, <laughs> you know, each day or each week? Okay, so I'm a morning person, okay? So I get up early in the morning. I'm up about 5.30, 6 o'clock. I grab my coffee and my little routine is, which is what I, I teach my clients, is first and foremost, find a time of day that works for you to do your marketing, okay? So for me, it's first thing in the morning and I always write the following week's post a week in advance. So today is Monday. So today I wrote next Monday's post. That works for me. And I probably spend, so I post on LinkedIn um, and then I post to also to Facebook and Instagram. And then within LinkedIn, I am a member of two networking groups. I will also post that post into those two groups. So probably all in all between writing the following week's post and doing my various sort of posting on LinkedIn and elsewhere, an hour and okay, a half. And are you using different apps, you know, to post those posts onto the different social media platforms, or do you go in manually next Monday after you've written you know, next week's post? Next Monday, you take those posts and post them, you know, into each of those different social media websites. So that is what I was doing until, at long last, I received scheduling on LinkedIn because that's one of their new features. So I've only recently received that. So I, I've started scheduling my posts on LinkedIn because you may or may not know, but if you use an outside scheduling app on LinkedIn, the LinkedIn boys are not happy about that and they will penalize you. So I was always doing it organically. But then what I do then is once I post it onto LinkedIn, I literally copy and paste it over to Instagram and as you know, Instagram automatically posts mm -hmm. it to Facebook. 
So, yeah, that takes a little bit of time, but you get quicker and quicker at it. And incredible. What an amazing story. Do you see yourself sticking with branding photography till, is this your last job, do you think? (laughs) I don't think there ever is a last job, is there? I'm just one of these people who I just keep moving. I, I will never sit back and put my feet up and think, I think I've got this sus now, which is how the business storytelling for LinkedIn was born, was created at the beginning of the new new year. No, this is not my <laughs> last job. Well, look, I'm looking forward to following the journey. Thanks again for coming on, for sharing everything you have. I'm looking forward to sharing our conversation with listeners. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of questions. People will be stalking you following this interview going live, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of connection requests as well. So massive thanks, Anne, for coming on and sharing what you have. Lovely. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Anne as much as I did. And if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did, and congrats on your success. I'm looking forward to hearing and learning more from you in the future. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Anne had to share. If you do have a follow-up question for Anne, you can hit her up in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 519. The comments area is at the very bottom of that page. And in addition to that comments area, you'll find links to anything and everything that Anne mentioned. You'll also find examples of her fantastic work. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, I'll be adding Anne into the members Facebook group. So you'll have easy access to her there if you are a premium member. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Massive thanks again to Anne for coming on. Big thanks to Kandra for her fantastic email that really cheered up my week. If you have any comments or feedback on what I shared at the top of the show, please shoot me an email or send me a message. It's andrew at photobizx.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, whether or not they will keep me up at night. I really am genuinely interested in your thoughts on the podcast and how you feel it should be shaped in the future. All right, look, have a great week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy, and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 